Oh boy. Oh no. That was a fake sound. Something fake. Something <laughs> broke. Fake sound. That <laughs> <laughs> <I> totally happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this week. Okay. <laughs> somebody, okay. Anyway. Somebody. That is. That sound is somebody's creation. That's a. Uh, that's Mario, uh, like Wario. Yeah. Or Wario. Is that you know, Wario? One of them. No Wario I've ever heard of. Dude, I've never it's heard like the of classic, no Wario. Like, well, maybe it's maybe it's actually like Luigi or Mario. It's just like the like falling down a pit or whatever. Yeah. yeah I mean, say I'm a Wario. I'm a Wario main here, so I would you, know. You just sounded made it sound so much more like Wario than the sound that you played. Me? Yeah. Wow. I, don't know, I can't even recreate it. What, what, what? <laughs> that was definitely Mario in Super Mario 64 Mario. when he gets yeah. caught on fire. Wow, that is nice. All right, I'm not going to overdo it with the soundboard today, guys. Sorry. I mean, you kind of you kind of already, already did. <laughs> you kind of already did. Is you know what though? More soundboard. Yay. <laughs> what, have, how, what have I done in my life to lead me to this moment? Here we go. <laughs> I really want to know. Trust me, you deserve it. You know, that gets that really touches on uh, on a, a little bit of that uh, the, the movie that we watched for today. Because, you know, sometimes you just reach a moment when you sort of have to take stock or don't have to, but are sort of funneled into taking stock of the, the decisions that you've made that led you to, to, to the moment where you are. And sometimes, you know, to uh, unbury the lead, there can be dark days, uh, you know, like when you're talking to folks and they overdo it on the soundboard, for example. <laughs> I want to say for our listeners, we have, if they exist, um, we had sort of homework for this episode, which is to watch a movie, a really intense, really awesome movie about called Dark Days, about um, homeless people that lived and created a community in subway tunnels, um, I think in New York City. Yeah, it was in New York City. Yeah, so the broader theme or topic uh, of this week is uh, sort of broadly, you know, recently we talked about intercity transportation, um, sort of, you know, glancingly at least. Um, and we wanted to follow that up with a discussion of intercity. Sorry, scratch that. Intra, infra, you know, the inside one. Transportation. Uh, obviously, the, the the most image that comes to mind, at least for me, most most prominently is uh, subway systems, metros, um, which, uh, as you may know, are typically built in tunnels in order to uh, so-called off-grade, um, separated grade, something like that. There's words. Um, those they're you know useful for transporting 
large numbers of people over relatively short distances, uh, which, you know, short distances typically define more or less uh, the difference between a city and a larger political entity. Um, so we want to talk about that. And in sort of thinking around the tunnel specific aspect of it, along with some other sort of uh, current events to some degree, we're thinking just sort of around the infrastructure involved in these tunnels and in what they sort of represent around the changing and creation of environments for people, um, both who are living in a space where they're transporting themselves for whatever reasons folks choose to transport themselves, and also how that infrastructure interacts with um, basic survival in a lot of other circumstances, like difficulty in your own personal life and also perhaps large-scale socio-political difficulty that might involve violence. Okay, that's a monologue. Um, welcome. Uh, uh, wait, can you say that again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did we start? <clears throat> so, yeah. Okay, all right. We need to cut it out with the sounds. I'm going to cut them all out. I'm just going to cut them. <laughs> I'm going to cut them all out and leave in every bit of conversation about them. <clears throat> so people are just going to hear. And I'm going to add silence, literally minutes of silence between. And then just me saying, oh, I'm cutting uh, it out. Joe, I meant to tell you, I, I'm going to edit this episode. <clears throat> anyway. Um, just a comment. Uh, I was really confused when uh when tyler just said that that we had homework to watch this movie (laughs) as was i i thought this was mainly just about the city one i i I just until about 20 minutes ago was manically uh like uh, organizing and throwing shit out in in my basement and garage and so the whole conversation that happened like leading up in the uh, leading up to this recording since 5 p.m i didn't really see any of it to be to be completely honest with you guys so what is this movie joe um can you give us a a little like why or are you are you uh are you withholding because you like the way it ties in and we should just have our conversation about intra-city travel well i'm not withholding um i, I we could start with a sort of uh, description that we've touched on a little bit um yeah so I think the the movie is called Dark Days, um, and it is a documentary film. I believe the early, very early nineties, like nineteen ninety or so. I believe is when it was filmed. Mid, yeah, mid nineties. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it was a little it, earlier because I was at least at least some of the other sort of sources I saw I was talking about the a large push to reuse some of those tunnels by Amtrak that occurred in like 91. Uh, but I could be, you know, they, uh, there are a lot of tunnels. So regardless, um, you know, late eighties, early nineties. And um, there are folks that live under in abandoned train tunnels. It, from the, the movie, it appeared that a lot of the reason 
that folks chose to live underground is for safety, right? Like the sort of scarier the entry to these spaces was, the safer they were internally in a lot of ways because folks would, you know, not venture into the dark. Um, also, there was electricity down there. That too. There was electricity down there that was free. And also, you know, it's not, you're not just being homeless living on the street. You're not just worried about, you know, someone potentially doing harm to you. You're worried about being harassed by the cops and harassed by business owners and harassed by just people on the street trying to mess with you. And, you know, that was some of their other concerns as well. Yeah. So it was a documentary that followed the story of, I, I'm not exactly sure, the number five or six um, different folks in what seemed like a quite a short period of time. Like it wasn't a sort of uh, boy's lifestyle documentary. Um, I think that's the name of the movie I'm thinking of. It doesn't matter. Um, the it, it was probably I would Boy's guess, Life was the name of the Boy Scouts of America magazine. Not what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, the one where it followed like a <laughs> one kid for like 20 years. Oh, yeah. I think it was just called Life or something. <laughs> no, Boyhood? That was a regular Boyhood. movie. That's right. That was a regular That's movie, right. though. It was a narrative film that they shot over right. like uh, yeah. Yeah, 16 yeah. years or so. Right. Right. Yeah, narrative, but still same person over many years. Point being, my mm-hmm. entire point in all of that was to say that it, I believe, appeared to have been filmed over you know, six weeks, roundabouts, um, sort of during uh, a particularly difficult moment where um, folks that had been living down there were being evicted. They were being forced out by Amtrak um, from the space in which they were living. I don't know. It seemed, I got the impression that it was over the course of more than, a six-week period like there was yeah like maybe even a couple or a few years of of filming was the impression that i got yeah it was uh according to wikipedia it was filmed over a two and a half year period well i was yeah okay that you were what wildly wrong your 1991 year though could be very spot on because production post-production took eight an extremely long time so it's very possible that it was filmed you know starting in 90 to like 92 and then it took you know almost eight years to actually get the movie made and released that sounds about right right um so okay uh i guess the style of the film was not that there was a sort of overarching timeline to it other than at the very end right so it may have been filmed over a a longer period of time but there wasn't uh, clear evidence of the elapsing of time within the the sort of four corners uh of the film Mm -hmm. except at the very end when they had a few scenes of the folks that you had previously gotten to know um in how in in houses that had been provided, I believe through section eight, uh, sort of in a deal with Amtrak for the, I believe dropping of litigation. I didn't look into the details of the actual legal battle, but there was litigation sort of 
uh, instigated uh, to protect these folks from the actions of, of Amtrak. And I think as part of a settlement, there was a, a housing program um, set up that probably relied just to a large degree on other forms of assistance for housing. So anyways, yeah, that was the film. Um, it had some some interviews where it was sort of one-on-one -on -one talking, a fair good amount of um, a couple of the folks just sort of sitting around shooting the shit. Um, some discussions of the sort of infrastructure of survival that was part of that uh, that sort of style that you know situation that they were they found themselves um how they set up their spots they had, there were like pretty like structures down there like full oh wooden yeah structures um walls doors like a lot of uh convenient appliance they had a lot of appliances too and some of tvs, TVs and radios and cooking yeah and little little uh um hot plates and electric razors there was a lot of electric razors in it a lot of scenes of people shaving whole hmm. community interesting never... thing for them to focus on not a lot i mean it was three but like but still though yeah was it all the same guy <laughs> no no because there was there was the guy who is probably the, the primary image you have of the the shaver um he was early the scene was early on and then um johnny the shaver <laughs> and they then, call him johnny the shaver and then yeah it's he's one of the be best characters in it yeah and then sure. there was d shaving um the sober guy well not you know the guy who had was no longer smoking uh crack yeah, cocaine there was a whole like bit about recovery like his insights into recovery i thought were really interesting yeah and poignant yeah like it's quite the right word but yeah i mean i thought i, I definitely thought it was timeless yeah i thought it was really interesting you know how he was just sort of sell like uh, he expressed a, a self-awareness that i think was valuable for people to be exposed to around um the sort of dangers of proximity with behaviors that you struggle with i never knew that there was like how many tunnels like that are there is that one of many abandoned tunnels yes there um, are many from what i did like small amount of googling i did uh during the latter half like the last 10 minutes of the of the film yeah, that's what really surprised me as well because I would have thought that like w through all the for all the trouble it takes to dig out the tunnels underground underneath an existing city that you would use every inch of it and there wouldn't be so many areas that just unused anymore, especially ones that were still being supplied with power. Yeah, I remember e even like a uh, one of you might know what this is, but there's like a a stop on a main like subway line in New York City that isn't used anymore and you can like go on a special tour of it it's like a historical it's like i want to say really? it's my first inclination is to say it's under where the world trade center is uh, where the world trade center was when it was two buildings 
but I could be wrong it's on that. But it's like the it's it's like under huh? <laughs> I said it was never two buildings. I'm just come on. I'm sorry. Okay, Joe. Do you <laughs> want to explain why it wasn't two buildings? I mean, don't you remember hearing about Building Seven? I don't want to explain. Please. Okay, moving on. Uh, <laughs> the Twin Towers. I want to say it was under those two, uh, but that might not be the case. Uh, it might have been some other historical place. But it's like a, a really like beautiful fucking like subway station with like really fine like mosaic tile work and stuff. But it's just not used anymore. So like, whoa, the, you can like go on the train and like it stops there. I want to say it's the end of the line before the the train just like stops and then goes back in the other direction. And you're like not supposed. It's like a crime to get off, and like explore it. But like you stop there and like look out the window, and it's like there's this whole station that just like isn't in use anymore. It's just completely abandoned. But it's like really cool. Having not watched the movie, that's just like the a thing I can contribute to this conversation. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like <laughs> super intense homework. Yeah, yeah. No, I think the idea of that that infrastructure existing there and the fact that so much of it goes unused is there's a there's a lot to that right i mean one as see our our previous uh conversations about why we we don't live underground more often than we do water the answer is water um so I I think that if water becomes problematic in a space that's underground, it's probably quite expensive to sort of maintain the con- like the conditions and the, the the desired conditions in that space. You mean so, like a lot of them might have gotten flooded out? Yeah, at some point, or like some part down the line was flooded out, and then it's like, well, we can you know, this water keeps coming, right? We can, yeah. we can spend how much just pushing any of this water, you know, fighting the entropy that is the water table, or we can abandon this underground structure that, you know, the thing about abandoning things underground is they're not typically in sight. So it's way easier to just abandon it <laughs> and not give, mm-hmm. just give a shit. Um, so are there like miles of empty subway tunnels under New York City and are they generally populated like that? My impression is that I don't think they are now. I was looking, like like I said, I was doing some, some little bit of the, the Googling and it's, I was seeing articles right up until 2020 talking about people living in these spaces ready wow. for a commune episode number two <laughs> <laughs> underground <laughs> underground edition uh dungeon crawling with leroy no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey man there is rats right enemy number one yeah there it is sorry there were plenty of, plenty of rats in the. They were, pretty, yes, you know, pretty cute. Rats, rats can be, pretty cute. As a hater what? of rats, even I can admit rats can be cute. 
Yeah. Like they had some really good shots of, of rats just, you know, being rats. Hmm. You know, when it's a picture. Just, and just trying to make a life in the big city, right? That's right. That's uh, just I like, don't know about that. Just like all of us. You don't really want them running through your house, though. No, no, no. I have, no. I have f- things that I prefer not eaten by rats. Because I want to eat them. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, like, uh, like uh, corn, old clothing, <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> and yeah, you know. And rats, don't we owe a? I, I believe we owe a duty to the rats because weren't rats basically the first mammals? Well, they'll eat duty. More or less. <laughs> is there? Is that true? That's cool. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wait, I which mean, one are you talking about? <laughs> uh, rats being one of the first. <laughs> oh, mammals. okay. All right, good. Not and granted, like I, you know, they weren't exactly rats, but the first mammals being burrowing underground rat-like creatures that would come out at night and just scavenge for food. I mean, that's not a, you know, more or less a rat. I don't know what is. I uh, I think I'm now I'm I'm also just wildly speculating, but I'm pretty sure I heard a fact at some point that uh, rats were one of the mammals that uh, existed during like one of the more recent dinosaur eras and survived whatever uh, killed off all the dinosaurs. Yeah. Yeah, they were. They Which were would make there. them, you know, the one of the oldest existing mammals. Yeah, I mean, think about how hard humans have tried to kill rats. I. God, there is God there is it. one successful <laughs> town. There is one successful place though where there is no rats. Um, it is, I believe, it's Saskatchewan, the pro- the province of Saskatchewan has no rats in it because there was this massive Is effort that Canada? yeah to kill all the rats and they are one of the few rat free areas in in um at, in the world okay but, so what this tells me is that Saskatchewan has no exterminators that are familiar with uh rat eradication techniques anymore right that that's we should just ship all our rats there (laughs) and sorry it is alberta 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 okay all right i'll I'll just dub in the right or sorry jim dub in just correct yourself (laughs) dub in the right words for this entire show um, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna... <laughs> oh, I'll just fix it in post the whole show. We'll just re-record. This is garbage. <laughs> so, so we'll ship the rats. We'll take the rats, all the rats. I don't know wherever we get them. They're everywhere. Um, there's a lot in Boston. It's a lot. Uh, so we'll ship them right right to Alberta. They'll come in on on um, what what do you think is the most efficient shipping mechanism? Probably boats. I think, bo- I think I think rats love boats. <laughs> rats love boats. If the Black Plague taught us anything, uh, I don't. Really I do have, like boats as well. I don't really have a sense of where. Al- okay, so Al- it's uh, it's it's the, in the it's west. The I believe it's next to British Columbia. Yeah. All right, so we need to construct a boat that can move over land. Uh, <laughs> 
So that the rats will be attracted to the boat. <laughs> okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to make a boat, and then we're going to go down to South America, and we're going to tap- Oh, we got to wait till all the rats get on, and then put wheels on the boat. Right, 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 right. So the wheels, the wheels come after. So we'll go down to South America. Yeah. We'll tap a bunch of sort of squishy trees, and then we'll boil that stuff. Okay. Can you tell me what a squishy tree is? <laughs> Rubber tree. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Uh yes. Oh well, what the you know you know how you do that. You don't just tap it like a maple tree. You got to cut a hole in it and burn a little fire. Really? Oh, really? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, you like cut a, you cut a little shelf in there. So are you saying that the rubbery, uh, sort of good stuff is a sort of defense mechanism or sort like a healing mechanism for the tree? Is that? No, I expect it has something to do with breaking down the cell layers that hold it or something. I'm an expert on this. <laughs> Wait, so I'm going to reveal that I didn't know or didn't remember that rubber is harvested from trees. That's okay. Well, I don't think what is uh, modernly used as quote-unquote rubber is necessarily from trees. I want to. I'd be willing to bet that a lot of the rubbery things that we use in our daily lives... Synthetic. Is uh, a, 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 a petroleum-based thing, yeah. Yeah, that makes But sense. there is a natural rubber that comes from a tree, Whoa. and I'm, 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 yeah, I'm the expert. I'm just kidding. I don't really know, but I'm pretty sure it comes from a tree, and you need to like fucking cut a hole in it, and like heat it up, sap it out. Natural rubber. One of the primary materials in tires is produced from the latex of para-rubber trees, and currently about 90% of the plantations are concentrated in Southeast Asia. From the Bridgestone mm-hmm. website. Is it oh, like a Bridgestone. particular kind of sap, or... It looks like a milk. Probably, yeah. It's, uh, well, sap is a weird thing, right? Like, cause, so you got, like, vascular tissue in a plant that, like, moves things up and down both like just water and nutrients xylem and phylum xylem and phloem oh right phylum is the categorical okay go on yeah phylum is yeah mm-hmm. it, you know taxonomy uh but yeah no i mean but sap is in the <laughs> you like, taxonomy <clears throat> <laughs> you come into my house and taxonomy <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so there's like a vasculature is this is in like behind the bark but out like around, outside the hardwood outside mm-hmm. the yeah. hardwood and they seem yeah. to peel it in a way so that it creates like this little ramp for all the sap to travel down into the bowl like it's yeah. like this chunk of bark peeled off very cool looking all the all the liquid in in the plant any kind of plant you like cut into it, liquid comes out, right? That's yeah. a vascular system that's transporting that. And it's xylem and phloem, like 100% of the time. Not like, it is exactly 100% of the time. It's those cells moving, uh, moving liquid through the plant. And is it like oh. different types of liquids? That are, yeah. And is so there like, like a, sep- a way to like different tubes that have these different kind of liquids in it basically yeah so i'm gonna be 
More like a sponge than tubes. No, it's it's well, yeah, more like a sponge, but it does utilize capillary action in the way it would with a tube. Um, but uh, the I'm forgetting which one xylem and phloem. One of them transports basically just transports water up, and then the other one, and that one works primarily through capillary action and the negative pressure at the leaves that's created by water transpiring through the sporata or the little openings at, at, on the leaves. Yeah. Getting sucked into the atmosphere. Exactly. Yeah. It just like evaporating and creating suction. Boiled off yeah. into the atmosphere. Yeah. By the sun. Um, there's also other, other uh, things called like lenticels <laughs> are a thing that's like an opening <laughs> directly into whichever one of those I forget transports water. But like lenticels are those same kind of openings like the sporata and leaves, but it happens on like the surface of a tree. You know, like uh, if you look at a cherry tree and it's got those little like markings on it, it's like kind of a speckled looking bark. That just uh, You know the ones that say George smooth. Washington was here? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> those are lenticels and they're actually other openings. Is that why there's cherry trees in Washington, D.C.? Probably. Yep. I don't know. Yeah, I would imagine so. Okay, so anyways, quick detour into tree into physiology. <laughs> um, so taking it back, rats are kind of cute, and um, there were a lot of them in the film. Now, well, also, yeah, like, right. We were talking about the fake bird. is kind of like the vasculature mm-hmm. of a organism. All right, so so For sure. subways are the uh phloem and uh, sewers are xylem oh wait i have an idea mm. we mm. uh lobby for a giant underground railroad vacuum tunnel between here wherever there's a rat problem and alberta <laughs> Because they if we'll just have a, one uh, thing that rats like m- love more than boats, it's fucking subways. Right. So we'll. Where was I? What was I thinking? Oh I'm, I'm going right, to 15, like the Middle Ages. All we right, need to just build right. a subway between here and Alberta. So <laughs> all the rats will just get on it. They can't help themselves. <laughs> we'll, just, the we'll, just, we'll just put. <laughs> we'll just we'll, we'll line it with pizza. Yes. And other inedible trash. (laughs) I think this is all the makings. This is it. This is a fine pie. Yeah, we're we're solving the world's problems right now. Yeah, and also finding a mechanism for which, uh, through which, uh, we can enrich ourselves by being the preeminent rat exterminators in Alberta. Depends on uh, how much you love trains, but maybe it's for which you are improving yourself. And I, 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 oh, Tyler, you were saying something. I was just going to say, I think that there's no way that this place maintains having no rats without a pretty active extermination process. Right. Or like some sort of... like <laughs> That's yeah, that's where the money is. It's, it's never ending. It's, it's, a, it's like a money tree, but uh, a money tree that actually... That is not... That is, it's a money tree that is not fed by the sun and the air. But um, 
people's natural icky reaction to rats and collective political organizations and their money that we want. Let's make America rat free. <laughs> we can do it. <laughs> Ship them all to Alberta. <laughs> all right. Real nice, real nice keystone pipeline you have mostly built there. I got another idea. <laughs> the rat pipeline. For for real though, when it comes to public transportation though, I'm not really a big fan of trains. I think buses are the way to go. Like we were talking about last week. It's like I feel like the bus is the undisputed king. I feel like if you want to get in between, you could talk with the tram car, but I mean, if you're going to try to get good public transportation now, especially intra-city transportation, it's I think it's buses all the way. Like elect- I think that's a huge – yeah, you could do electric. You could do biodiesel. You could do hydrogen. You could do some sort of weird combination of a bunch of those um, so that they have different systems on the bus itself. But I really think you need a, a healthy and um, – surplus of buses that are just almost constantly going 24 7 yeah i think trains i think i think you're right though in that for local travel obviously a bus is is the move but like if you're going like even just boston right like like boarding a bus in uh brookline and trying to get to i don't know uh Let's just say Cambridge, the Silhouette Lounge. Like, no, oh, let's not say it's, that. It's it's so true, but That's it's like why... you got so many stops or like transfers and stuff between there if you're doing a bus. But like, it's only like five stops or whatever on a on a train line, you know? Yeah, but, I, and that's what. Oh, sorry, Joe. Yeah, I was doing a little just to throw a few numbers in here because I actually have a little chart here. Um, I was doing some reading, so the original sort of uh, limited tramway concept, which is what you can you think of as sort of the streetcar type subway, right? Like, you know, there's, there's you know, heavy subways. Like, if you are familiar with the T in Boston, like the red line, the orange line, those are heavy rail. But the green line is light rail, right? So the sort of light rail concept where it's, you know, it's a separate track, but it's mostly same grade so it's mostly you know running parallel to streets as opposed to underground it does spend some time underground sometimes but the idea is that it's mostly um same grade uh that was to originally envisioned in this paper in like 1962 or so this is following the sort of presidential commission streetcars which are those ones you think of in like san francisco where they're essentially buses with wires um anyways uh, the limited tram line concept, the streetcar, uh, can carry a maximum passenger per vehicle of 310 or a practical capacity of one track or lane in passengers per hour of 34,000. You know, take these numbers for whatever you want, given that they're from a paper in 1962 that was advocating for the development and funding of a certain type of transit. Um, the old streetcars, like those in San Francisco and I think philly anyways uh they were all over the place but really the only ones active are now in i believe san francisco um was eleven thousand, so thirty four thousand for the light rail 
11,000 for the streetcar and by this 7,000 for the diesel bus. Which that's the thing about buses is like to do buses are great if you've got I think a sort of generalized even level of people trying to make that transit at any one time. But if you wanted to move as many people as pack onto a light rail car at once with buses, you would need a whole bunch of buses. And then that just exacerbates the traffic with like the buses also in our typical sort of design are in the roadways with other vehicles. So if you're going to stop and let people off, then they're traveling in the right lane all the time. And so that blocks that lane that makes that lane a very different sort of thing to navigate. If you want to have sort of large scale applications of that transit method. I, I totally agree because I feel like the bus is, you know, it's not competing with trams and subways It's competing with cars. And if you create, enough of a bus route that is active enough that people don't need cars they will just use those buses instead and we've actually seen that happen before in other cities where cities where the car was maybe not the primary but a dominant uh, uh, amount of the transportation people use that gets lowered when you make a healthy bus route even when commuting in um, from the suburbs as well So if we were going to do the in between, so last episode we talked about the idea of a bus that could sort of ride up onto a railway line, um, which is but the best. Which is the best, but now there's and other. I guess there's other things to think about, which like right, like how many rats like can we bus? fit on each of them? <laughs> Sorry, um, go on. How many yeah. rats can how fit? How many in seats the for rats box? are on each? <laughs> and what should our combined one half how much do we charge per rat um all right no 12 rats and you can get a ride for free rats ride for free only if their destination is alberta all right sorry tyler what were you saying um what was i saying (laughs) uh yeah so if if currently under the current system buses and trains are designed quite differently in terms of like the passenger layout then if there was going to be some sort of like combined like a bus that could go onto a track, would it be designed more like a current bus? Like what is what are the design differences based out of? Is it that buses are less safe so that there's, or I don't even know if that's true, if buses are less safe, but like what is underlies the current design differences between a bus and a train car? Right, because a train car has a lot more standing room. Yeah, buses are all seats. Well, uh, no, they're not. Depend. I've been on plenty of buses where, and that's a guy for coming from me who has not been on a lot of buses. Yeah, no, you stand. I on mean, the Ripta has a pole in it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I know. I, I know it's not like nobody stands on buses, but I, I mean, I you know, I'm I'm withdrawing my statement because my my initial reaction was that there there's more seating room on buses, but that's not true. Not necessarily true. No, it's not even generally true. Fuck off. <laughs> is it not generally true that most people are sitting on buses most of the time? 
More so I feel than like trains. most people are sitting on buses because the buses aren't usually packed enough that people need to stand. Whereas, um, there's a more, much more direct route on trains, so people cram into the, the trains usually, I find. Right? No? Yeah, I think it just depends on the general usage patterns. You know, like, commute times, my, like, depending on and where you get on the stop, right? Because I know I've never stood on a Riptobus. That's what I was thinking too. Like, I don't but feel that's like there's Rhode that Island. many people standing on Riptobuses. Right, but you also don't travel. Like, you're talking your experience on Riptobuses is primarily intercity, not intracity. Oh, okay. True. So, to uh, all right, I'm, I am going to say though that in regards to Rhode Island, I mean, when you have cities that are bigger than the state, I almost feel like. It's a soft intra or inter, whatever, whichever one you want to choose, because of the of how small the the state is. There, I mean, there you know, are that, not that cities from, bigger than Rhode Island. I believe Houston is bigger than Rhode Island. There's lots Metro, of cities metropolitan than Rhode areas. Are you kidding? Metropolitan bigger. areas, maybe, but definitely cities. I mean, there's many Houston 10 is, plus million people cities. Houston is 665 square miles. Rhode Island is like 1,200, 1,214 square miles. Houston, probably Close. the most sprawling city in the in the U.S. Maybe, no, the I don't most. know. LA is- well, even still, though, to, I, I would include, though, any area that is basically anywhere south of North Providence and, like, basically North Providence to Narragansett to West Warwick slash Coventry, I feel like in itself is a comparable bus route to any other major city. Or sorry, not bus route, transportation route. I, I don't think I agree with that. I think it it's a lot longer than most, most bus rides. Like an hour, maybe. I, I okay. It is a little segue. Sorry. That's okay. You- I think yeah. I I'm not. I, I don't want to deal. I don't, this. <laughs> <laughs> that's the podcast <laughs> do we count rhode island as a city itself because it's so small <laughs> i feel like providence warwick providence cranston warwick all together is kind of like intra-city transport agree yeah i can i can stand by that because there's definitely and there's definitely little towns in other parts of rhode island that are quite distinct from that like you wouldn't like you'd pass by many miles of uninhabited area or lightly inhabited area before you got to westerly yeah 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 those are not okay like providence cranston warwick maybe east providence all right hit the eject button um it's it's relevant because <laughs> just really quickly it's it's relevant because it, this highlights 
a difference in terms of traveling and this was brought up before too but that there's sort of grades there's like intra-city transport from like um like within an area which can be quite different from between areas right right and even your experience of the bus or you know having a subway system changes sort of what you you know what your yeah what your experience is right oh yeah now where i i, I sort of want to talk about this sort of intercity i want to sort of broaden this out and talk about the development of these this infrastructure and how we we do this these types of large scale projects with a, an extremely flawed understanding or lack thereof of how the future will unfold and i think this touches this touches on dark days this touches on the sort of what makes a city a city because i you know i i think that the sort of cohesiveness of a, a group of people that live in proximity to one another and their their following willingness to consider that one city is in a large way dependent on the time it takes to transit it. Very true. Very true. Right? Like, okay. Like, I, I didn't mean, I didn't consider Vancouver, Washington to be part of Portland, Oregon because it took way too long if I ever wanted to travel there when I was there. Right. Right. But, but I mean, you you might consider you know seattle part of a uh, maybe olympia i think is right not too far away from there yeah or like tacoma right yes tacoma better example yes yeah like i mean it's it's kind of right there in the name of the airport right SeaTac. Mm-hmm. or even uh us here where you know, you fly into Warwick, but they just say it's Providence because yeah. you're basically there, anyways. Right, it's like, eh, Providence. Nobody knows. Nobody's ever heard of Warwick. Um, Whoa, there's that one cop show that everyone sees Warwick, right? What are you talking about? There's yeah, like a there's like a cops show. It's like, and it takes place in Warwick. Am I about to find out that there's a cops copy that is based in Warwick, Rhode Island? Yeah, I believe so. It might be only online too, but it does oh, have. A it's bit a, of a YouTube. Following. It's straight to direct to YouTube. Cops, copycat, based in Warwick. Yeah. Oh no. No. <laughs> Who made that? Also, shout out to the rapper named Warrack. War. This <laughs> is like, where are you from? I'm from Warrack. It's a war zone. Streets of uh, Warwick. War, Warwick is my porn star name. Oh wow! Oh dear. You gotta, you gotta take this guy to court then. No. Get your name back. No. Oh no. Oh. You're oh knowing about looking at Warwick, aren't you? No. <laughs> no. 
live livepd.org yeah it's on a and e yeah oh no representation dude it's rhode island it's got all the shows this caught in providence yeah i mean i haven't seen a lot of caught in providence what's caught in providence it's a uh world famous show where uh judge caprio and he's known for giving um just full sentences like one of the more famous clips was a woman who got a ticket for having her car there at like 1001 and he was like why the hell did she get a ticket she she let him free or he let her free from the ticket yeah yeah it's that kind of judge sounds pretty reasonable frank caprio no it actually from what i have seen it is quite reasonable he seems like a yeah it's a it's a classic like uh like instagram story sized clip thing where Mm -hmm. like it's got like the yellow text yeah at the bottom and it's like this man is uh coming in because he got a ticket for this and he can't afford it he has he's raising nine children and then he comes in and then the guy's like i am reasonable uh this shouldn't have happened gives you a false sense of security and the uh justness of the legal system yeah, I just had a ridiculous experience with a, a ticket that I was told I could fight it on the. Uh, I I was told I should when I the person who gave me the ticket when the cop gave me the ticket they were like oh don't worry it'll be thrown out for uh, a good driving record and I was like well you don't have to give me the ticket then if it's just gonna be thrown <laughs> out anyways we don't have to <laughs> go through this whole thing <laughs> I don't want to put and you that, out <laughs> yeah um, but that didn't go over super well. So I went in to court. They hate when you tell uh, them what to do. They, you know, I was asked guilty or no, not guilty. I said not guilty, and they gave me a different court date. Went back on that other second day in front of the judge, and he did throw the ticket out based on the good driving record, but also the ticket was for $90, and they told me it was a $35 court fee. But there's also uh, about $30 fee to get a ticket waived for a good driving record plus taxes it was like over six it was like 65 plus dollars or something and it was a 90 dollar ticket and the cop was like yeah so it'll be a like 30 dollar court fee so like you just want to you got to decide if you want to save the 60 bucks i mean but it wasn't 60 bucks it was less than 30 bucks because there's also a fee to get it waived based on a good driving record so it's just a complete waste of time well for there's, everybody. Well, there's also like your driving record. Like I guess. Like if uh, you had just paid the ticket, that's on your driving record. I mean, isn't it still going to be on my record as having been yeah, thrown it's, out? Yeah, it's still good, on your record. For a good driving that's why record. He, he couldn't not give you the ticket because if he didn't give you a ticket, it wouldn't count as being pulled over. Um and you would basically get a, you know, you you could keep redeeming the whole hey I, I haven't gotten pulled over in three years so I'm fine. It was a weird it was a weird time to get pulled over. I was driving a U-Haul or rental U-Haul. Obviously that should be obvious, right? A U-Haul is a rental vehicle. Mm-hmm. And he pulled me own, over. Maybe you own a U-Haul. Who knows? It fell off the back of a truck. A bigger U-Haul truck. <laughs> <laughs> 
when he pulled me over, he was like, uh, he asked me for the license and registration. I was like, oh, this is a rental. I actually don't know where any of that <laughs> stuff would be, to be honest. And he was like, all right, well, then where'd you get it registered? I was like, excuse me? He's like, where'd you get it registered? And I was like, sir, this is this is a rental. Sir, this is a U-Haul. Is this your first this day on the job? Sir, this is a Wendy's. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, excuse me. He's like, just what? fucking I, with you? I don't know. I still, to this day, do not know if he was fucking with me. Um, I assumed he was at the time, but was just in dis. I was kind of in disbelief. And that t- basically kept happening. He was like, so how long have you been, like, he was, oh, he asked me for my CDL license, too. I was like, again, this is a U-Haul rental, like, a 15-foot truck. I don't need a CDL license for this. He was like, so you don't have a CDL license? It's like, uh. No. No, I don't have a CDL license. I don't have time for these jokes, officer. Can I get to where I gotta go? It's a rental. I'm paying. Do you pay for the hour? Am I being detained? (laughs) I was driving in the second to left lane on 95, and you're not allowed to drive in a truck in either of those two lanes, which I honestly didn't know. Um, But it just was a weird interaction. Wait, the second to left hand lane? Yeah, the left two lanes on 95 are you can't drive with a truck in. Really? Wow, I Mm -hmm. had no idea. I I I have been pulled over. For that exact thing, when I had a commercial, just like a truck with a trailer, but I had commercial plates because it was for a job. Um, but I was under the impression that it was typically just the far left, the one, the just the far left lane you weren't allowed to drive in. That may be the case in on most streets or most stretches, but for, at least for that section, I know. Because the one near the airport, I did get pulled over for it and happened to pull over right in front of a sign that said you couldn't do that. And that was actually probably funny for him because he was like, did you know that he was like, you like, so you were in the second to left lane. Did you know you weren't allowed to do that? I was like, no, I had no idea. And he was like, well, and he just gestured to the sign. Here's your sign. What is he? Bill Ingvald. Like I felt kind of sick on me or something. Well, like, yes, officer. This is, uh, you know, a rental. I don't, on the daily, drive around in a commercial vehicle. I just saw the sign. Thank you. <laughs> now, dude, I grow pot back here. <laughs> <laughs> Mobile meth lab. <laughs> <laughs> you ever see that show Breaking Bad? It's like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I wish I had that nice Providence judge. Yeah, I was going to say, you should have been caught in Providence, man. <laughs> or if they had just told me that it would have been like a $65 ordeal, I would have just paid the ticket. I mean, dude, it says right here in Title 31, Chapter 41.1-7, dash you know, it says right here, Upon submission of proper proof that the operator has not been issued any other traffic violation within the past three years... The charge shall, except for good cause shown or is otherwise provided by law, be dismissed based upon a good driving record, provided that the operator pay a $35 administrative fee for court costs associated with the dismissal. Additionally, beginning July 1st, 2014, there shall be imposed a $25 surcharge on all dismissals based upon a good driving record to be deposited into the Rhode Island Highway Maintenance Account. So at least you're helping fix the roads. 
there was another element of this which I found really funny, which was the day that uh, they told me I could pay the court fees, they also did not let me pay the ticket that day. I had to go back. The surcharge, you mean? I mean, uh, the court, sorry, the court fees and the surcharge. Yeah. Yeah. Like I couldn't pay them the day that the (laughs) sentence was handed to me. They were just like, like, nah. Too slow of a system. I was like, oh, yeah, like I can pay right now. Nah, they're on break. (laughs) They're like, no, we need, I can't remember how long it was, 24 hours or something. But it just means, you know, three trips to the traffic tribunal. It's like that time alone was not worth the. However many, $15 I saved or whatever. Can't remember how much the fees were. Yeah. Well, I th- I don't know. I think the dismissal means that it's not like on your record for like insurance purposes. I could be wrong about that, but I think that that is. It's just that if you are then gotcha. issued a traffic violation. So maybe I saved myself in insurance. Right. I've gone way off the rails here talking about this exactly. yeah so how do we think about building infrastructure f- with a, a sort of a, a sense of how it's going to be used but then how it ultimately comes to be used and how that becomes sort of a part of the environment like the built environment that we all sort of survive in you know we like say okay we're going to build you know the international not international uh interstate highway system and you know when that was first built you know we had dramatically fewer cars right dramatically dramatically fewer cars but you know then things change i was listening a bit to the the power broker and just like just smashing through parkways throughout new york city and that really fundamentally changing the character of Long Island, for example, right? Like that, that it, that large scale projects have reverberations that we are bad at predicting. And oh, yeah, are we and bad it, at predicting, or do we just not really try that hard? Oh, I, I feel, I feel it is bad at predicting because. It's bad at predicting just how far the ramifications for a project like that go because they build this like, well, we'll just build, we'll just start connecting cities with a big road. And it's like, well, and then they build it through roads and then they destroy neighborhoods in that city. And then, well, they want to further destroy neighborhoods in that city because now they want to build shopping areas. And all these shopping areas need to accommodate the cars. So now huge areas of land have to be devoted just to house all the cars. And it's like, where are people going to live? They have to live outside the city. Now they have to live in the suburbs. And then these suburbs, you need to commute to the downtown where people can work. And then that means you have to have a car to actually have social upward uh, mobility economically. And now it means that, like, oh, if you can't have proper transportation, that means you're going to stay poor a lot more likely than you would if you lived in a place where you could easily have access to a car. Nobody thought of that. <laughs> yeah you know like th- we don't we like have these sort of imaginings about oh you know i have a very narrow perspective on what uh what's the word respectable life looks like and what people will do and and accept and 
that's just like your opinion, man. Like <laughs> we are so bad at thinking through lenses that are just a just a little bit too far outside of our own. And and I will and I would also say too that I feel like it's also a problem with um allowing people who were probably there and shouting from the rooftop about the problems and that could happen from these kinds of projects they're just not listened to at all because there were definitely people there who were pulling their hair out being like please don't do this you're going to change our entire way of life as a society for probably the worse yeah but there's people always saying that that's the trouble that's the real trouble is just as many of the people shouting don't do this are wrong about what will happen too you know that is a good point actually that's a very good point This podcast gonna ruin my way of life. I think. <laughs> I think you all. I think you all need to pay me <laughs> for what it's I think, doing. I think yeah, but so it, there's some people that are talking about things that are not gonna happen, and there's things that are gonna happen, and both on the good and bad side. But I think that there's a lot of responsibility that someone has if they're doing a large infrastructure pro- project. And I think sometimes the people that do those large infrastructure projects don't really do what, in my opinion, would be due diligence in terms of really making a guess about what the Im- impact is going to be. Like I think about this in, in construction projects that destroy a lot of ecology to be built. Like there's huge ecological impacts. I I don't really actually know that there are huge ecological impacts. I'm one of the random people that's shouting in this moment, but I suspect there's pretty serious ecological impacts from just clear cutting like many acres of forest. Um, we don't really think about that as humans. Usually when we cut, when we, when people want to make money and I suspect that some of that same stuff is probably true in the creation of subway systems and, and, and highways where they had to destroy communities to build them. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's crazy. Like we, you know, the for the um, EPA, the Environmental Protection Act, you know, also the agency, you know, created by the act, um, you know, that was what, 1970 that that was yeah, that was passed. Nixon, yeah. Nixon passed it. Um, and like before that, like there were I, I, I would ima- I don't know, but there were not nearly as many requirements to study the environment before you got drunk and got on the back of a backhoe. True. <laughs> yeah. We used to do some crazy shit. Just like, all right, here. I'm going to, I'm going to make a trench here. Why? Yeah. N- now you have to do a study a and you only can build something if you're rich enough to pay the fines. Or, you know, throw a little, a little, just a little bit of money towards the, uh, towards some other, you know, ecologically friendly thing where you, you know, make a little walkway for the, the turtles to cross a highway and then I th- do I whatever you want. I think it's pretty fucking common that, like, with certain types of especially environmental regulations, let's say, you know, 
filling wetlands somewhere near where uh a I some used, of us may have used to live. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like you just got like a, a several houses where the, it's just like yeah, you build the house, you ha- you own the land, you build the house, uh, for whatever amount of money, and you just build into your budget the fact that you're about to be fined like thirty thousand dollars. It's like oh okay, well I'm building a, a three million dollar houses, so uh, thirty thousand dollars on top of that's like. Pfft. Okay. Yeah. And I, I'm Thanks. pretty sure. Yeah, I'll pay the fine. Yeah. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I heard, you know, it could be apocryphal, but heard stories about uh, this hypothetical place that is near where some of us may have lived, uh, where essentially, you know, it's wetlands, right? And they were like, I want to build a house here. And what they did is they theoretically, hypothetically, in the game, lined up a bunch of trucks filled with dirt and sand on the highway for some early morning and then just probably a day where the courthouse was courthouse was closed or not yeah. the courthouse the town hall i think I, I i know that there's a common uh trick where people will wait for like a local state holiday to do yeah. this it's probably the court cuz the thing that they're trying to avoid is an injunction where the court says, no, really, don't do that. Really, really don't do that. Um, so probably the courts. But anyways, you just line up a bunch of fucking trucks, and then you go, let's, you know, uh, wait, what's the, what is, what do you shout as you, as you do it? There's a, a certain phrase. I, I feel like I've heard it recently. Timber. Land ho. <laughs> nah, Jim, I was hoping you would play Leroy. <laughs> Oh, sorry. <laughs> My bad. So there's a certain phrase you shout. Wait, wait, wait. There's a phrase pause, 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 that you pause, shout. Pause, pause, pause. That you <laughs> right. So you're about to run in with these trucks loaded with dirt and sand to fill a wetland for which you're going to pay the fine, and you just shout. <laughs> and then you just fucking roll in, just fucking. <laughs> <laughs> rolling in, rolling coal, whatever, and you just dump that dirt and sand, and then you know eventually somebody's like waking up in the morning, taking their dog out, and they're like, "What is all this?" And they like you know call up the town, no one answers, so day goes by, and then they hit FBI, open up! <laughs> whoa that was a good one (laughs) that happens and they say what do you mean the dirt has always been here god made the dirt and then maybe they find out that something more nefarious was happening i think another popular tactic is to wait till there's been a couple years in a row of drought and then to get the area re surveyed for wetlands uh, resurveyed uh. i know that happened next or tale is that that happened next to a different place that a different one of us once lived <laughs> <laughs> me this one is me <laughs> uh. somewhere where i once lived once near there uh there was a bunch of places a bunch of land that people thought like the people in that area thought the land went on sale. They were thought about buying it, but decided not to because um, it was wetland, couldn't be built. Um, some company bought it and then just checked, I guess, pretty regularly 
got it resurveyed until eventually one of the surveys after a drought came back clear and then sold it and it was it's now all been built what a yeah. I'd rather be an Albertian rat extinguisher <laughs> Albertian rat extinguisher band name <laughs> it's a pretty good one I uh <clears throat> I think it's about that time hour 08 yeah. sound good to you guys that's that's what yeah, yeah i think so got uh anybody got final sentences i do um so uh, one of the scenes that really struck me in that film was following the um burning of d's house that occurred and the uh, I forget his name. I meant to, to to find it, but he was the, the one of the main the guy that was sh- the shaving guy. Said, "Whatever she's lost, she'll find it. She'll get something else." My final sentence is short, like the topic of it. Short buses are the transportation of the future. Uh, I just recently, for the first time in my whole life, you know, going on 30 years in roughly 13 weeks or something, 30 years of life, uh, never played Civilization and uh, I downloaded and played Civ Five uh, for like 15 hours since last Friday, <laughs> and it's fucking great. What a great game! Um, my th- closing statement will be that I'm really intrigued with an element of the living situation that the people in Dark Days had, which we didn't touch on, was which is sort of or didn't directly touch on, which is the freedom that they experienced, um, like separate from any sort of policing system, um, which probably interacted with a lot of the substance, interacts with the sort of, the unsupervised interacts with the substances that were present in the movie, probably. Um, But I think that's just really interesting and really powerful, and I found myself overall like really being intrigued in, in appreciating that aspect of their experience and was worried for them for when they came back to society that they wouldn't have that. <laughs>